This is CliffCentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and CliffCentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law. Like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg, and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com. Alongside me today is Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome, Lions. Dumela Gary and Dumela to our podcasters, and to each and every single person listening to us. On today's show, we chat about the law on immigration for foreigners who are desperate to live and work in South Africa, and there, there are millions of them. Mm. We also talk about the law for those South Africans who want to push off and live elsewhere, and for those who don't know whether they're coming or going. Should I stay or should I go now? I want to go to Germany. <laughs> Lion, you stay exactly where you are. <laughs> Joining us in studio today is an attorney who definitely knows the law on coming and going. He's a specialist immigration lawyer. Welcome, Chris Waters. Uh, Gary, thanks very much. Good to Excellent. be here again. Yeah. W-A-T-T-E-R-S. Your practice is in Bloomfield, uh, Bloomfield in Bedford View. <laughs> Bedford View. Yeah, Bedford View. Johannesburg. You must be doing very well in Bedford View. Occasionally. Yeah, oh. I'm sure he is. Some of the questions we'll be answering today have been posted by members of our collaborative partner, Legal Talk South Africa, with its Facebook following of over 133,000 members. And growing every time, if I may add. Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life uh, with Gary Hertzberg. Have a look. Give us a like if you would like to. And our Twitter handle lines. It, it's Hetzlaw, H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. You got it right. This time around. Let's talk to Chris Waters, immigration attorney. Chris, there's so much uh, I want to talk to you about. I'm going to just fire, fire away and uh, we'll see how we go. I, I remember earlier this year, according to a report, it was reported that Cabinet has approved a piece of legislation. It's not law yet. It just went through Cabinet that would allow the Department of Home Affairs to put a trace on all South African citizens planning to leave the country for more than three months. Hmm. Uh, it's a bit scary that. Is, is that in fact so? Uh, Gary, now I think that what the paper has picked up is that in the uh, latest uh, green paper on migration, uh, the department proposes that it should keep uh, have have uh, close relations with South Africa's diaspora, uh, with the communities around the world, to learn from them, to encourage them to come back, to but to continue to liaise with them. Um, there's there's no detail as to how this will work um, in in practice. This is just a it's a theoretical thing. Mm. Um, it happens in other other countries do it. They kind of as I say they they work with their diaspora communities, um, and uh, so that so that's pretty much how it's that that's the the principle of it at this point. Nothing nothing sinister about that that they're keeping tabs on us what we're doing, um, the, where we are. That that might be the uh, a kind of a the, the undertone, as it were, but in principle, it's it's uh, it looks legitimate. 
Chris, let's uh, help me with this one. When assuming I'm leaving from Dubai, I've I left South Africa on holiday. I'm back, coming back via Dubai on Emirates. I'm not plugging for them for any reason. And uh, what happens to the information that goes into the system at, at uh, in Dubai? <clears throat> the the current legislation uh, provides for uh, support to what's called the the advanced passenger information system. Uh, this is a, a database um, that requires every airline, when a flight closes, to present a report to Home Affairs um, with a, a list of, of uh, well, details about each each passenger. There's about 40 or 50 different items uh, of information uh, on the report dealing with your your uh, your seat number, your bag measurements, your flying patterns. Uh, uh, how you pay for your tickets, the weight of your bags, dimensions of your bags, etc. So it it gives the um, gives home affairs uh, a, a profile of the of the passenger, and then when the the doors of the plane closes, this, the the same report gets updated and sent again. So that in principle, um, home affairs officials tell me that when the the doors close um, in Dubai or in Heathrow, they know who they're going to take off that plane when it arrives in South Africa. Um, it's it's at this point in time it works uh, particularly well. I'm I'm told in terms of tracking uh, the movements of drug traffickers, but obviously has a uh, ramifications in terms of you know anti-terrorism measures. You, you said something earlier. You said it it can it knows how I paid for my ticket. Yes, and that information is then sent back to South Africa. If assuming I paid in cash, I mean, does that go to SARS? Where does that information go? I I don't know who else Home Affairs shares it with. Mm. Uh, the legislation says that um, the department can share it with with any de- any other department or any other person or agency that has a right to it. So I, I will let you draw your conclusions yeah, as to absolutely. what there. <laughs> so you are saying that every bit of information on where I've been on that trip. Is actually sent back to South Africa. They know where I where I've been. Um, I think, in theory, it would it would cover that. Um, mm. It would allow them to pick that up. Um, but it's it's part of a I think a larger again from the department's perspective. And again, this is also dealt with in the new green paper. Uh, the idea is to move from uh, or move to a, a sort of a regime where we individually profile travelers uh, or the country individually profiles travelers rather than saying. You know, because you're, uh, you know, from Canada or Australia, we, you know, we, we we trust you, but rather allowing them to, to as I say, to individually profile people and pick up, um, you know, who's who's a a, a risky traveller and who's a, a safe traveller. Mm-hmm. It will allow you to, you know, to t- detect that, you know, the guy flying in from Nigeria is in fact a good guy um, with with a, a good profile. As opposed to you know somebody with a more a riskier profile who you know flies through Colombia and Brazil and other strange destinations without wanting to say anything yeah, nasty I mean, about Colombia Brazil. <laughs> this this is a kind of tantamount to a bit of spying on us, and uh, surely it's against our privacy <coughs> laws if if they are if they are such things <coughs> in in this regard. I think the I think the problem in this country is we we don't have a. A great history of of being very protective of of our privacy rights, you know, given where we've come from. Privacy always seems to me to be a, a not not as high on the agenda as say dignity and and liberty. 
Yeah. Chris, if people want to immigrate, there are a lot of youngsters that have just had enough of corruption and, and crime and they just want to go somewhere else. Can they just up and go or do they have to notify anyone they're immigrating or how does it work officially? Um, the, th- there's no formal um, uh, process for, uh, let's say, formal immigration um, other than in terms of if you want to uh, move your assets, you know, move large amounts of money out of the country because you've now settled in, in Australia – Mm-hmm. And you want your pension, and you want to kind of sell up your your rolls and your large house in in, in Santon, um, and you want to get that money out of the country legally. Um, you then have to approach SARS to get a final tax clearance to get that get permission to get those funds out of the country. Yes. But if you're kind of young and mobile, and you kind of up and leave and settle down in in uh, the U.S. or the U.K. or Europe. Uh, there's there's no way actually for uh, the uh, home affairs to pick up that you actually have left. Um, it's just that you haven't come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's. If it's I get not another regulated. passport overseas, they wouldn't even know it's the same person, or would they? Uh, it's unfortunately in Turnbull. I say unfortunately from the the department's perspective, um, it can be very hard to pick up that if. If a person leaves on passport X and returns on passport Y, mm. it's hard to pick up that it's the same person. Yeah. Sometimes mm. the systems do pick it up, and other times they actually don't know. You know so if someone's so, trying to escape something, they leave, they, they apply yeah. for a new passport saying they've lost theirs, but surely, surely the embassy in the country in which they're applying would notify? Wouldn't there be a cross-reference? The... Um, well, the passports get issued here. They don't get issued in um, oh, okay. at, at the embassies. Yeah. Um, but the 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 extent of communication between and kind of the sharing of databases between embassies and 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 home affairs mm. is not the best, yeah. unfortunately. Someone has written to us about their waiter at one of their favorite restaurants, who's originally from Zimbabwe, and apparently, this person from Zimbabwe has been in the country for seven or eight years. Um, in I World Cup year, I think it's 2010, he got the special dispensation, I think it's called a special permit, allowing him to be there f- in South Africa for seven years. And that seems to expire now in 2017. Are, are our Zimbabwean friends, the waiters and the people that work in our homes, and I'm not talking about the very successful Zimbabweans, of which there are millions in South Africa, but uh, th- those that are working within you know, households and that, are they in danger of being sent back? <clears throat> so, yeah, this, um, this profile isn't, isn't quite accurate. What happened was that in 2010, the, in, in response to the uh, kind of huge numbers of Zimbabweans who fled Zim collapsing in the uh, late noughties, um, the refugee system got uh, kind of uh, w- was packed with with people applying for refugee status and from Zim. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally at one point we had South Africa was the biggest recipient of refugees in the world uh, in one year. So may I interrupt yeah. and ask what a refugee is in law? Okay, yeah, um, a refugee is a person who is uh, fleeing his country, his or her country. Uh, on the basis of that they are being persecuted or, um, 
either on account of their politics, their religion, their social orientation, uh, their gender, ethnic origins. Mm. There's, a, there's a finite list of, of grounds. Yeah. And um, if they can show that they face harm on return and that their country can't or won't protect them, then uh, we have a, uh, South Africa has a duty to, to then offer protection to that, to that person. Yes. So that, so and if the person confirms that story, uh, he's there, he or she is then deemed to be a refugee. Mm. Prior to that, the, they are considered to be asylum seekers. So that's the difference between an asylum seeker and a refugee is uh, the, the refugee has been formally uh, recognized as a refugee. Um, uh, yeah. So it's basically the same thing. Yeah. One is applying one and is one applying is and the other has been granted, is, yes. Okay, so the Zimbabweans came in as refugees. Yes. As, as asylum as, seekers. And then they became refugees. No, no th- yeah. that was the problem is that the, the system was, was kind of creaking with all these volumes and no one could cope with, mm. with the numbers. Yes. So they came up with the idea of, of granting a temporary dispensation uh, to, a, to Zimbabweans who were here either to work um, uh, or to study. Mm. And... Um, it was kind of a blank check to do whatever the, whatever work they could get their hands on. Mm. Um, and it was granted for four years. Um, they were all granted for four years. And then at the end of 2014, uh, Cabinet decided to uh, issue a new dispensation to Zimbabweans, and that was called the ZSP permit. This, was, this first one was called a DZP. There's a legal reason... They didn't want to create an expectation that your visa would be renewed, mm. so they changed the name. Okay. So you had a DZP, now you can apply, and if you're approved, we'll give you a ZSP. Mm. Those ZSPs all expire on 31st of December this year, 2017. And Cabinet announced last month, that the, uh, or in August, that uh, uh, the affected Zimbabweans could apply for the new permit, which is called a ZEP. Yes. And that will be valid for also for another three or four years. Is that an automatic? Will it be automatically? Yeah, that they have to uh, formally apply and put in the details and uh, police checks are run on uh, on each person. So uh, they're disqualified if there are any uh, criminal convictions. Mm. How do you feel about that, Lance? It's going to be quite an interesting one because mm. we know that the police takes time in terms of verifying any uh, fingerprints. So I, I wonder how long this project is going to take. Have they set up? They've set up something for it's, you. It's running already. Okay. Um, it's Home Affairs uses this so front of house service VFS mm. um, to, and they have dedicated offices for the Zimbabwean applications. Um, the police clearances are not taking long, actually. Um, you know, if you, if you apply privately, you'll get a, a police clearance in two to three weeks. Yeah. Um, Home Affairs was supposed to be setting up a real time check with the police, but uh, um, I, I don't know how far that's that's got. But that shouldn't be a major issue. Just for a bit of information, useless information: the population of Zimbabwe is approximately 16 million. The population of South Africa is about 56 million, and the most populated country in Africa. Is Nigeria with 178 million, which wow. is massive, isn't it? Wow. America's got about 300 million. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be outrageous to expect a quarter of a million people to go back to Zimbabwe right now with Mr. Gar- Mugabe having taken a lot of the money for himself and his cronies. Yeah, well, I mean, quite aside from that, uh, to take, um, you know, 220 odd thousand people out of the economy yes. is. is 
it's like the, the, the one of the complaints about what uh, uh, Mr. Trump is doing in the states. You can't take a whole large number out of the economy. Absolutely. It actually has pe- you know people buy the bread, the sugar, the mm. the meals, etc. Mm. People's businesses are Set massively supported by these people. So mm. it would be a huge knock for them to 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 leave. So, the other thing I yeah, must just mention ahead. is um, as part of the new announcement. Um, you know, one of the conditions for these uh, uh, visas, these permits, is that the holder is not allowed to change that permit from inside the country. So in other words, if they uh, get married to a South African, they cannot move to a spousal visa from inside the country. They've yeah. got to leave the country mm-hmm. and kind of cancel the, the, the special permit they've got and apply for the, the correct immigration permit back in Harare. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a condition that attaches to the uh, to the permit, and also that this period of time they spend in country will not qualify them for permanent residence. So it's it's you're in a holding pattern uh, mm. uh, throughout, throughout this period. Risky. It has its mm. it has its problems. Yes. Um, yeah. So uh, so the other aspect that was was mentioned was that uh, there's a kind of a very small window has been opened as an exception to the exception. Um, that if any Zimbabwean on a ZSP qualifies for an ordinary immigration visa, they have they will be given they've been given permission to apply from inside the country to change to that ordinary immigration visa, but, and that window closes at the end of November. Um, so Which is now? With now, yeah, yes. So they've, they've got yeah. they've got about eight weeks to change the visas, mm. uh, which is a, a very, or at least to get the application. Are, are you assisting people with this? Yes, we are. Yeah. Okay. If you're Zimbabwean and you're looking to change your visa to get to to stabilize, really. Yeah. So yeah. in other words, yeah. if if you've, um, I mean, we'll give you a case in point. We've got a um, a young man who came here, and this is a, a wonderful anti-xenophobic story. Um, Young man came here in the early noughties with nothing but a, sh- a shirt on his back, mm. but very good uh, kind of sales type person. And he got given an opportunity in a company, and he has now become the MD of the company. He's increased it's in a, the kind of the artisan field. He's increased employment in the company from sort of twenty five staff to fifty. He's quadrupled the turnover of the company, and he's on his, is one of these, these ZSP. Permit, so we're want, we're going to move him to a business visa, so that he he's not his his presence here isn't as kind of uh, yeah. risky. Yeah. Well, that's great. But you know, I mean, this is you know kind of you often hear people saying, "Well, one every foreign national means one less job." Mm. This guy has created; he's saved twenty five jobs, and he's created another twenty five mm. jobs. Just one person. That's great. Beautiful it story. Is. Lovely. Yeah. yeah, we talk of two hundred twenty thousand people who are. Trying to that they're going to get their permits extended. We're in South Africa right now. We have between a million and three million Zimbabweans that live in South Africa that have permits. Uh, or what? What on what basis are they here? It can be any any number of of options. They could be here as spouses of South Africans. They could be on legitimate business visas, work visas, uh, what they call critical skills visas. You get here on study visas, so there's there's mm. any number of legitimate reasons to um, for them to be here. Yeah. I think one of the um, one of the problems uh, that was triggered by the dispensation, and one of the purposes of the dispensation, it wasn't just to clear the refugee program, but it was to en- encourage um, 
Zimbabweans who had, let's say, embedded themselves in South Africa on false documents mm. to come out of the woodwork to help clear up the population register so that it was just South Africans who were on the population register. Yeah. So there was an amnesty. So if you had a false ID, you could come forward and say, here's my false ID, here's my false birth certificate, you know, and, I, and please legitimate me, so, uh, or legitimize me, sorry. Um, and they then got these, these ZSPs. The, the problem with that, uh, some people discovered, was that the amnesty was from home affairs. If you had a bond, a 25-year bond with, one of the, with some of the commercial banks, they suddenly found out that their uh, good client was no, no longer a South African uh, here, here for life, but a Zimbabwean who was here for four years or mm. three months. And there have been cases of the banks kind of moving against those people saying, sell your property or we're prosecuting you. Yes. So the, 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 um, uh, there was no incentive for people uh, for these embedded cases to come out of the woodwork, mm. because where it really hurt them uh, was in you know they had they had their whole lives built around these false documents, and this, you know the, the private sector doesn't get kind of bought into this this uh, uh, this amnesty process, and so you know we we still find we still get instructions from people who are saying look I've been here for twenty years and I need to get this sorted out. Um, Chris, well, yeah. What about what about all the wonderful Malawians that are in South Africa? <clears throat> What's their status? Well, the the idea um, is that this this type of amnesty will be rolled out to to other SADC uh, countries. It has been rolled out to Lesotho, mm-hmm. uh, and it will be, we're told, uh, over time, be rolled out to um, to other uh, SADC states, as and when. Uh, they're, they're kind of confident that they can manage that 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 flow. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- th- there may well be hope for the Malawians and the Mozambicans, um, but there's no timeline on this at all. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you mentioned earlier that the department uses a, a company called VFS Global Service. What is who is that? VFS is a and what do they do? Yeah, it, it's a, it's a well. It, the, the initials VFS literally mean Visa Facilitation Service, yeah. and it's a it's an Indian company. Well, it started off as an Indian company. It's now Swiss based, and they offer the same service around around the globe. The act, I think, at the last check I was, I was looking the other day, uh, they represent about fifty different countries. So if you apply, um, say, for a visa for for Norway. Mm. You will go to the VF. I'm not advertising VFS. I'm just no, no. That's the way it is. You yeah. will go to the VFS office in uh, something in Pretoria, where they will receive the documents, and they then pass it on to uh, the 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 embassy, um, and then the result comes back to that office, and they pick it up. Um, the the benefit, and it applies equally to South Africa. The, the supposed benefit is that it cuts out the public engaging or interfacing with the with with the department, and therefore can rules out a lot of corruption, mm-hmm. um, because there's no longer kind of money passing over the counter. Um, and also, these VFS offices have uh, extensive security. You know, there's, if you blink, cameras go off, um, so that and everybody has to go through military level clearances and so on and so forth, and they move their staff around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's. I think it is it working. 
I think it it, it works. I mean, it has it has problems every so often. I mean, like the systems have been down for the last couple of days, but by and large, we find it works, and mm. the clients are happier because it's, you go to kind of clean offices and polite staff, and they have uh, business kind of business lounge services, etc. Mm. So by and large, it does it does seem to work. Have you worked with them, Lance? No, no VFS. No, yeah. Initially, in the very beginning, I thought it was maybe a money-making exercise, but uh, I see it's a worldwide thing. This, yes, uh, the suspicion was it had links to somebody or else, but yeah, because it was Indian origin. The origin (laughs) was from India, yeah. yeah, Unfortunately, but it predates something else. Yeah, let's talk about. um, There's something someone wanted to know. Someone from the one of the neighboring states was involved in a motor collision. They got a a road accident fund certificate which enables them to get future treatment from the hospitals, etc. How does that work if they've got to go back or how does it work? With Well, the where the, uh, we have been brought in is um, particularly dealing with uh, Zimbabweans um, is kind of given the, the unfortunate state of the public health system or the health system generally in Zimbabwe. Um, it uh, becomes, um, well, as in one of the cases it r- brought to us, they said it would be a death sentence to send the guy, to expect the guy to go back and receive tre- the treatment he needs for his injuries mm. in, in Zim, and that instead he should be allowed to remain in South Africa. And uh, so what we've had to do is uh, uh, engage with the department and Try and sort out uh, visas for, you know. I mean, and some of these guys can be, you know, entirely unskilled, um, who've been here illegally. And you know, one of the issues was, you know, should we be treating them? Should they be getting uh, benefits if they weren't supposed to be in the country at all, etc. Mm-hmm. So I think they've got past that. And the the problem has been, um, you know, if you send them back, and are there delays mm-hmm. in uh, the RAF paying the claim or if the RAF uh, repudiates the claim and they have to litigate, they must litigate from Zimbabwe. Yeah, terrible. And they've yeah. got to put in security, you know, security so deposits. So that helped you get their so, Yeah, so we help get them, uh, yeah. try and get them sorted out and staying in the country. Chris, we have a question from Gail Lawrence. Uh, she's a legal, to- a legal Talk South African poster. She said, what is the procedure if a South African wants to marry an asylum seeker? Uh, this is uh, quite a, 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 a thorny issue, which has uh, arisen in, in, in recent months. Um, there are um, we're, we're getting reports. We've had quite a few reports um, in recent months that Home Affairs officials are refusing to allow asylum seekers to marry South Africans. Um, Can they do that? I I think it's it's uh, highly it's constitutional. Illegal. Yeah, it's it sounds very unconstitutional. unconstitutional. Yeah. Um, I think the the department's rationale is that if they allow them to marry, uh, then in terms of uh, an old constitutional court ruling, um, uh, the the department has to respect the. Um, the, the South African's choice or right to family life and the right to choose their partner. Mm. Um, and the, 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 the same Concord ruling recognized or kind of clarified that uh, you can't 
uh, expect the person to leave the, the foreign national to leave the country and apply for a visa from outside the country. Yes. So this would kind of undermine the whole idea of, you know, if if you've had enough of your asylum thing, you must leave if you want to stay in South Africa. Mm-hmm. So I I heard just this morning, in fact, that um, uh, an NGO is uh, planning on on uh, launching a, um, a high court challenge to the legality of this practice. Um, so that there should be a change, be, but, but yeah. right now they are, uh, they are in fact, um, apparently saying we're not allowed to marry. Uh, Strange. Is, I hope, yeah. yeah, I hope that application succeeds. There was a reply from a man called Rhino, R-Y-N-O. He says, I'd like to advise you contact Home Affairs to see if the asylum is valid because I get a lot of employees. He's probably in HR reporting to our offices and all of them are fake. I mean, are these fake certificates? Uh, are there fake certificates around? Yes, sadly, uh, there is quite a, a, a sort of traffic in um, false or fake uh, asylum seeker permits. Mm. Um, it 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 is, certainly is a problem. It used to be very hard to do, but uh, we've also uh, we get approached by companies asking us to kind of to check on the uh, legality of these of these uh, permits. Mm. Um, Yes, unfortunately, it is a, 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 a growing problem. Is it, Chris, is it correct that if an employer doesn't verify that the permit or the visa, whatever it is, is, is legal, the employer can be prosecuted? Yes, the, the employer has to show he's taken reasonable steps to uh, ensure the person is uh, he's legally allowed to work in the republic. Mm. Uh, there's no definition of what that those what what constitutes reasonable steps. Mm. Um, what do you think the employer should do? Uh, what what advice would you give a client of yours? Well, I think what what we th- th- there's two types of of steps. I you know if a, if an employer looks at a person's work visa or asylum seeker visa and says and, and it looks legitimate, mm. I mean there is a legal presumption. You know that anything that that appears to be uh, was it Omnia Prize Winter or something, something like that? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. That anything that appears to be what it is is what it is. It mm. needs to be recognised. You can't, you can't run uh, commerce and industry on the basis of having to question fake, you know, yeah. every document, assuming mm. that it's fake. Um, you know, but if you get an asylum seeker permit that's kind of handwritten and uh, you've got kind of pidgin English, and I've seen that happen. Mm. Um, yes, I think you get alerted. Uh, the alternative is that one can um, engage the department and uh, say, "Look, we've got these permits, we've got these these uh, visas, etc. Can you tell us whether they are valid or not?" Um, so one, one can, and I think for particularly for companies who don't want to run the risk of of or uh, being prosecuted, or being prosecuted, yeah. or ha- you know, having that hassle, it's, it's worth taking those extra steps. Mm-hmm. If you look at a fake certificate, how different is it from a legit? Well, it depends. You can get very, very sophisticated fakes and, you know, very, very bad fakes. Uh, it's, it's, there's, there's no, um, given format. Yeah. <clears throat> Chris, uh, so many of us brag about holding second passports, um, without really understanding the possible legal implications. Talk to us about people with two passports. <clears throat> the Citizenship Act provides that if you acquire a second, uh, uh, if you're a South African and you acquire a second citizenship without first 
obtaining the permission of home affairs to do so, mm. um, then you're deemed to have lost your citizenship automatically. Of South Africa. Of South Africa, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, there's different uh, – globally, the, there's sort of three different systems of citizenship management, as it were. So some uh, – and the world's kind of largely divided into those who allowed your citizenship – or three or four or five, there are those that are strictly prohibited. Mm-hmm. And then there's somewhere in the middle, like South Africa, uh, where it's allowed but with permission. Mm-hmm. The, the problem with the, with the wording of the legislation is that the, uh, the stripping of citizenship happens automatically by operation of law. So if you acquire it, you lose it. So sorry, Chris, assuming I go to Mauritius mm. and I get a, a passport there or Portugal or Lithuania yeah. or wherever, yeah. okay, if I don't get permission from South Africa, I lose my South African citizenship. And, and I'm only one, I just want that second passport because it's nice to have, mm-hmm. but I don't want to live there. Uh, I, just, I want to live here. Yeah. But I'm going to lose my citizenship. I've got to be the hell of a careful. If, yeah. Yes, it, it depends on how, I mean, there's any number of ways in which it can come out. Mm. I mean, there are ways, one shouldn't say this, but of hiding it. There are ways of hiding it. Yeah. Um, you, you know, for you, when you apply for a new, a new South African passport, you are asked, have you obtained another, another passport, another yeah. citizenship? So if you say no. Is that under oath I'm saying no, or I can't remember? I can't remember. I don't think it's not under no, oath, no. no. If you say no, it's impossible yeah. for, for home affairs to, to, to know I got a to, Lithuanian passport. Yeah, or, you know, whatever. From, from wherever, yeah. yeah. Um, if they do find out. Is it, yeah, if, yeah, if you, as I say, it can come out, you know, if, if, for example, you arrive at Tambo, you fly in, mm. and you've got. Um, By mistake, I give my Lithuanian No, no, see, so you, you've got your South African passport, you've got an exit stamp from South Africa. Yes. But you haven't got an entry stamp into anywhere else. No. That tends to flag that you've Where'd you be? <laughs> you, yeah. you've, yeah. <laughs> be you've been flying around. You know? yeah. It was a long flight. Yes, um, you fly for three months. Yeah. Yeah. So you know it can it, it can come to light at that point in time. The question will then be, well, what did you enter on? Now, right. if you've if you have a legitimate, um, you know, you've got a, self, a, a, a UK passport, for example. Right. Um, now, the part of the problem is that. Um, you can have people who were uh, citizens of another country mm. who have naturalized here. Um, now, they're not hit by that ban because it's South Africans who acquire an, uh, another nationality. Yeah. Yeah. Not, you know, so if you're, if you're, you know, you're a UK citizen and you come here and you naturalize, yeah. there's nothing wrong with you having two passports. So, you know, you can have... It can cause questions at airports and in, in all sorts of other places um, as to, you know. Practically, assuming that I have a British passport because my parents, one of them was born there, and I have a South African, what's the effect of that? Well, as I say, it depends yeah. on that scenario. Are you yeah. South African first? Yes, yeah, South African first. first. Yes. Well, as I say, you, you're deemed to have lost it automatically. The yeah. problem arises in working out uh, when that happened, but we've we've seen cases where people didn't re- many people don't realize that there is this ban, um, so they they lose the, the, the they've automatically lost their citizenship. But in the meantime, so that's they, an absolute tragedy. To yeah, lose, well, yeah, I mean, well, it can be. Yeah, but you can then have you have children, and you register them as South Africans yes. because home affairs doesn't know you've lost 
Yeah, yeah, but if, it can come out, as I say, in, in any number of ways. Yeah. And then we've had cases where home affairs have written to us and said, well, uh, your your client lost his, his uh, South African citizenship, and therefore his children aren't South African. Okay, so, Chris, <laughs> the answer is, before, if you're South African with a South African passport, before you apply for another passport, you've got to get permission from South Africa. Yes. How do you do that? Is well, it a formality? It's a formality. It's I, a nothing. I, it's a nothing. I've never heard it being refused. Who does it? Do I do it or do I go to a lawyer to do it? You, or? you do it yourself. Um, you can go to a lawyer to do it. Well, it's better do, to do it yourself. Where do I do I go to Home Affairs website and see where – how do I do this? Yeah, well, you, you go into the uh, – it's, it's easiest because Home Affairs doesn't put their forms on the websites anymore. Mm. So you go into the district um, – one of the district offices, Randburg or – uh, Alex or wherever mm. like that mm. and you, you say you're applying for a, a ret- what they call a retention letter mm-hmm. and, and it's, a f- it's a fairly straightforward process um, and usually you'll get an answer in a couple of months um, and okay, it's So it's an absolute essential if you apply for a second passport of another country yeah. Please make sure you get permission yeah. here. Otherwise, and, you'll and leave, you lose your other, citizenship. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Sure. Yeah. But the other aspect is that the, that permission is specific to that country. So if you then move on to get another citizenship, you've got to ask permission again in respect mm. to that, that, that third country. Yeah. Wow. We just got a, a message from uh, WhatsApp and just says it's quite fascinating. And they didn't know anything about uh, the passport issues uh, as well as much of uh, immigration laws. So it's quite interesting. Quick question. Uh, we're, we're going to be running out of time soon. Immigration matters. Can I, should I do it myself or should I see an attorney? You are an immigration attorney. I mean, you're obviously going to say see an attorney, but should I really? I mean, when should I see an attorney? <clears throat> I, I advise people, particularly, you know, for example, if you're going to emigrate, if you want to go to the U.S. or the U.K., mm. uh, the laws, you know, each country has its own uh, um collection of laws of directives of rules of policies of practices etc mm. and it's a nightmare so it's an absolute uh, uh, nightmare to to you know minefield mm. um you know if you if you're applying to the u.s uh for a visa uh you know in u.s law they they will assume you're planning on staying in the u.s so if you're young and mobile and you you want to go to Las Vegas, I shouldn't say that anymore. Sorry. If you're going to go somewhere <laughs> for a holiday, yeah. um, the you know the assumption is going to be that you're planning on staying there. Mm. So you really have to put together a good and comprehensive case on why you want to get back. And so it's important to get kind of uh, guidance on what constitutes uh, you know good reasons, what what works for the for the Americans as being good reasons. Mm. Um, Similarly, if you're kind of trying to get into the into the UK, uh, if you uh, if your application is refused, uh, in most cases there's no appeal. Unlike South yeah, that's Africa. the end of that. That's yeah. the end of it. Mm. But that refusal then starts counting against you. So if you yeah. get refused once, twice, three times, you're running into trouble. So the as I say, it's, you know, we may have a, a vested interest, but it's important to understand what are the rules, what are the practices, what are the processes. Yeah. And it's the same thing here. You know, you've, we often get, uh, um, I mean, just this morning we, we, uh, before I came here, we had a uh, corporate client in the uh, um, overseas that was sending staff in on what they call business visas uh, for a, a week's visit. And I said, well, if you're sending employees in for a, work, for a, for a week's visit, that's not a business visit. Mm. As far as home affairs is concerned, that's a working visit. 
And your guy's coming in on the wrong visa and can be arrested and deported. And people have been arrested and deported. Mm. Um, you know, you, so you've got to get uh, – and, you know, the, the person I was talking to said, well, uh, you know, I met a guy in the business class lounge of the airport, and he told me. No, so yeah. it must so he's be got correct. to be right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Immigration law is very tricky. There are very few lawyers that do it. I think uh, there are a handful of you out there. Well, there's, there's, there's yeah. very few yeah, of us who do it full time. There's a lot of yeah. there are a lot of colleagues. Um, I do the training for the for the law society, and uh, when I first did the seminar seminars, we had about twenty people. Um, mm. And then most recently, we had over two hundred yeah, wow. really. so lawyers, lawyer, attorneys that, yes. that you're training. Yeah. Good, good on you. Mm, yeah. Excellent. They need it. <laughs> That's the voice of Chris Watters, W-A-T-T-E-R-S. He's not in Bloemfontein. He's in Bedford, Bedford View. View. Specialist immigration attorney. It's been so interesting. Uh, we've picked up a few things that we've got to be careful of. Oh, no, interesting. Glad. Many yeah, thanks for help. joining us. Uh, please don't go away to our listeners because after this we have a couple who were nearly hijacked. And uh, their story went worldwide. There were 11, yeah, 11 million views. Of uh, the security footage You're going to stay for that one Chris if you can Many thanks Thanks for being with us Lines to you, thank you very much And to you our listener, thanks for listening Cheers till next Thanks very much This is cliffcentral.com